Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you live here, you know that the Las Vegas restaurant scene has outgrown that buffet and shrimp cocktail reputation. But do all those national restaurant awards get it? I mean, Michelin hasn't come to Vegas since 2019, and both the New York Times and Bon Appetit, well, they just left Vegas off their best restaurant list altogether. Why? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I sit down with restaurant marketing professional Eric Gladstone. We dive into why, despite the great strides, Las Vegas remains overlooked as a food city and what it would take for that trend to end. It's Thursday, October 5th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Eric Gladstone, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you, David. I'm really, really pleased to be here. Eric, I want to talk about these best of rankings of restaurants in the United States. Las Vegas typically gets the cold shoulder. Recently, we've seen Bon Appetit, New York Times, even the Michelin Guide. They're they're just snubbing Las Vegas, but have highlighted restaurants in cities like, I'm looking at the list, Quincy, Massachusetts, Juneau, Alaska, Iowa City. What's up? Why not us? So it's a complex answer. And also, I'm not sure I have all the answers. But people coming from the outside are very easily seduced by the lure of the strip, which is understandable. They're also somewhat seduced by the strip's marketing and PR people who are extremely good at what they do and 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 more power to them. Um, and so journalists who might have very high standards or, or very high integrity going into any other place, it all seems to disappear when they get to Las Vegas uh, for the most part. And I'm sure there's, there's always exceptions to this rule, but it all seems to disappear when it comes to Las Vegas and they will come here on a sponsored trip and they'll stay at one resort and they'll do all the resorts activities that they throw at them. And then they'll leave 36 hours and say, I just did Vegas. But not so impressed. They, they, they might be impressed. They might not be impressed. But they, there's no way you could say that they got it, the entire experience of the city in the way that they're covering the city. But there's also reasons for that for which we are somewhat guilty. Why is that? Or how is that? So having been a former journalist, I can tell you, especially on a national scale, I can tell you that people who are on a national scale look to other sources on the ground for some guidance you know now in some instances that this might be a friend who lives in that city in some instances it could be a yelp or a google rating or something like that but in many instances they're going to look to the local media and how they are covering things and they're going to look for consensus oh you know they're going to look for 
what is the place everyone agrees on is really special. And they're not going to have the bandwidth themselves to do a lot of discovery that someone on the ground would be able to do. They can't go into every single neighborhood and try every single place and just kind of use the sniff test to try to figure out what's truly special. It's impossible. That's the job of the people here. Unfortunately, a lot of the people here, and I'm not pointing out anyone because it's virtually everyone, a lot of the people who are here on the ground also get seduced by the strip and by the big celebrity restaurants. And so they're constantly fascinated and focused on what are the big celebrity restaurants coming into town or what is the what is the chain restaurant from another city coming into town? Because everyone's going to get excited about that for the next 10 minutes yeah, and, and then not care. And, and I mean, <laughs> we could probably talk a long time about uh, any criticism in, in the big C mm-hmm. word, you know. Uh, yeah. in, in any of the fields in Las Vegas, food uh, foremost in that. And, but then, you know, there's these big fancy names like Michelin Guide. And as I understand it, like the Michelin Guide stopped reviewing restaurants in Las Vegas entirely since 2019. Um, maybe that's a whole nother oh, beast. Um, uh, Michelin is a business and they print travel guides. Up to now, that was very, very lucrative for them. Now, people do not buy physical printed travel guides anymore. So that very esteemed system has to find a way of being profitable. And it's an extremely expensive system, as you can imagine, to send out professionals all over a place to ferret out the best restaurants uh, the old fashioned way by, you know, several people dining there, et cetera, et cetera. They have their system. It's not cheap. And you can't expect people to do this as a volunteer thing because then you don't have, you know, you, you don't know how to maintain your standards. But I think there's even another layer that to actually get their attention, a city or a town has to pay Michelin. Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, apparently that's that's part of their system now. I can't speak to it, but uh, apparently, yes, uh, Michelin basically has to say we need support from the cities uh, or the county, whatever region, regional tourist board or something like that. Again, that's a financial thing. That's in order to justify them going there because, again, it's an economic thing. So I understand that from the business perspective. I also understand the perspective of that seems to taint the whole process. Well, let me ask this. Is that why Michelin's not handing out stars lately? Is is Las Vegas just not paying them to pay attention to us? Well, <laughs> here's, the, here's the reality as I understand it. Now, I could be very wrong. As I understand it, the reason Michelin ever came here in the first place in 2008, I believe, is because a bunch of casinos got together and paid them. Oh. So that this isn't a new thing. No, I mean, that sounds you know, a little like a mob Michelin. shakedown, which is a very old Vegas thing. <laughs> <laughs> but And if, and, and you know, and some of the, if you look at who's in there, uh, some of the places were, are, were absolutely deserving. And some of the places you'd look at them, you know, as an experienced diner and you'd be like, ah, oh, this is, you know, I don't, I don't know about this. Huh. So Michelin is not perfect. You know, James Beard is not perfect. You know, um, you know, Yelp is not perfect. TripAdvisor well, is not perfect. I, I the, think they... that's an understatement on on those last two. <laughs> Come on, especially <laughs> Yelp. I I don't know. Sometimes I'll 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 read those one star reviews of some of my favorite restaurants right. or five star reviews of the the literally crap places, and I'm just right. shake my head. Yelp is very complicated. No, I know, you and know, I know they're it's... not perfect. So <laughs> how important right. are any of these sort of ratings? 
Well, they're all important in different ways, but they're equally important to someone's neighbor telling them you've got to check this place out, you know. But Facebook has a lot of groups and especially there's a lot of food groups for Las Vegas and a lot of people ask questions that can sometimes be benign and sometimes are so off base, it's incredible. And they open and up the floodgates of all, you know, Facebookery. I get that. But I'm talking about these big, like, national lists and attention uh, missiles that keep avoiding our town. How how important is it when they hit or the fact that they're not even aimed our way these days? The point that I'm trying to make is it it's all important because it all influences each other. And my point is those lists are important because the serious journalists who might come here and look at something differently, God forbid, are going to look at those lists before they come here. They're going to look at them on the plane. They're going to look at whatever else they're seeing. And if they look at that list and they see, oh, this list is really well thought out and it put together, you know, and it's listing a a, um, a restaurant that sounds really interesting to me, even though I've been all over the world, this sounds like legit. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Let's let's just be straight up honest. No city is perfect um, when it comes to their food. And uh, what are Las Vegas's shortcomings as as it relates to our dining scene? Well, the biggest shortcoming overall is that I would say that we are insecure about our own tastes. Huh. Okay, uh, that which... that's a very provocative statement. So please, please, please go on with that. <laughs> I'm full of them. Stick around. No, I want to know where um, we can improve on that or how. <laughs> so when we see something that's genuinely good, we think, well, that's genuinely good. But but I think there's something that makes us think, well, but, but what do I know? Do I know if this is world class or not? And there's a few of the people in the city because as I think – uh, in a recent CityCast broadcast, uh, one of your guests observed that only 25% of the people who live here are actually from here. Uh, so there's an awful lot of people in the Valley who are from other places and have had other experiences. But I still think that there's this weird insecurity about like, maybe I don't trust my own judgment, which is to the point, maybe why we need Michelin or James Beard or someone else to tell us, yes, this is legitimately good. Val validate you know? our taste. That's that's a really interesting. I'm still on that. I mean, I, I've never really thought about us as as being insecure in that regard. 
So, I, I mean, if I'm in a, a restaurant that I love and, and you know, I, I'm going to I'm gonna come up with an example. Uh, I recently splurged for a, a special reason and I went to EDO Tapas uh, yeah. over mm-hmm. off of Chinatown there. And yep. I, I had a remarkable meal in my mind. Yes, uh, of course you did. Some, uh-huh. some, and we, we did tasting tasting menu and some of the items there were unusual and complex. And uh, do I have insecurity? You know, I was, I was, I was paying a good price. Uh, I, my tummy was saying yes, but is that a place where as a Las Vegan, especially Las, longtime Las Vegan, I'm maybe thinking to your mind, uh, well, unless other people think EDO is a great place, I'm wondering if that deconstructed dish that I just had is really as good as I think it is or worth the value. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Like we doubt you ourselves? You absolutely just defined what I'm talking about, David. Did you realize you're in a, you were in a world-class restaurant that in any city would be revered? Because you were. Okay. That restaurant Good on in me. any city <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Any I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think few will disagree with me. That restaurant in any city in the world would be revered as one of the most special places in the entire city. And is but do we treat not. it that it's way? It's off the street. Yeah. No. We don't. There's this constant sense of discovery. People are like, "Oh, I just found this place EDO. It's so cute, and I really like things." No, you were in one of the most special restaurants in the entire city, far more special than 99% of the restaurants on the Strip, hmm. far more special, okay? That's, that's, that's the phrase. I need to emphasize that. I didn't say better, et cetera. Another topic that comes up because we are Las Vegas and where we are geographically located, I'm, I'm wondering if, if the lack of local seasonal produce right in our backyard is a problem for us in that kind of like national acknowledgement. So much is perception, David. First of all, we do have lots of various farms and growers in the city doing things. Um, We do. We don't, we're not surrounded by farmland by any means, but go ahead and name some cities that are literally surrounded by farmland. Uh, There really aren't a lot. We get most of our produce, uh, seafood, meats, everything else, the same way every other city gets them and from the same sources. Um, It is a modern global economy. And even though a lot of our best restaurants try to keep things local, which is within a certain number of hundreds of miles, we're local to California in that sense. We get everything virtually that California can get. So this excuse me, this perception that we're this landlocked place and somehow we're suffering for it is outdated. I've heard the 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 stories. We could get sushi straight from the ocean, I'm told, within hours because of our network. Is that not a myth? Is that something that we need to realize that uh, isn't a limitation? Well, I think, uh, and just to show you what a dork I am about your podcast, uh, Phil just made this point uh, a couple episodes ago or something. Kame gets as good fish as you can get anywhere. You know, and there are at least a solid handful of places here, Yuzu, uh, Ui, um, Yonaka, um, that that also get as good fish as you're going to get anywhere in the country. You know, although the level of fish quality is also a little, yeah, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. But anyway, 
My point is, yes, you can get anything, especially because of the buying power of the strip, that makes it easier to bring in a lot of higher end ingredients that off-strip restaurants can also enjoy. So the thing about Vegas that's frustrating is that we are, as a city of 2 million people, when it comes to culinary, we are punching above our weight. We absolutely are. But for all the reasons we've been discussing, the rest of the country doesn't seem to want to acknowledge that. Yeah. What other examples do you have of us punching above our weight? Because that was a really interesting comment that you just made about how our culinary scene punches above our weight. I'll give you an example. I randomly was up in Northtown near Broadacres uh, looking for something that I actually didn't find. And instead, I went to this drive through taco place. Uh, Tacos El Penzon on North Las Vegas Boulevard, I believe. Holy heck. These were as good tacos as anything I've ever had in L.A. They were fantastic. And, you know, we're, we're talking about these awards and all this sort of stuff. And as I understand it, a lot of these really, really big awards, the people who aren't just finalists, but who are, are given the award, uh, are these chefs sometimes unknown who aren't following trends, but maybe setting trends. Yeah. And Correct. Where, where does Vegas measure up? Uh, against the rest of the country when it comes to innovation? Very interesting question. So the macro question is typically Vegas is behind the curve, uh, particularly the bigger restaurants on the Strip. Now, there's a very understandable reason for this. There's a lot of money at risk and they're not there to take chances. They are there to give the people what they want in the best possible way. And I think that's a absolutely fine, uh, you know, objective. Um, off the strip, lots of people are getting, uh, taking chances and sometimes they get noticed for them and sometimes they don't. And that's the biggest challenge that we're all talking about here. But there are absolutely some very, very creative chefs here, uh, doing a lot to try and do things differently. And, and these are the people that I'm constantly seeking out, you know, these are the people to, to put a plug in, these are the people that I'm looking for for my event that I organize, Vegas Unstripped. I mean, give us some names, some dishes, maybe some <laughs> menu items that you think are are in that sort of innovative space. And of course, if you represent them, uh, please disclose. Sure. Uh, you know, the names, uh, and they are almost all ex-strip chefs. And that's the beauty of this city is that we had all of these chefs trained at a very, very high level, and they got to the point where they said, I want to do something on my own. And then they were able, because of the economics in this city, to go do that. You know, So it's an amazing story. And again, that's where the frustration comes that people aren't recognizing this phenomena on a national level. You know, But as far as chefs, the first one that comes to mind is obviously my client, James Trees and Esther's Kitchen, Al Salito and Ada's. For that matter, drilling down on that, Jackson Stamper in particular, who is working at Ada's and is under James's supervision, but really is doing his own thing. He has just coming up with amazing dishes all the time. Give um, me an example. I want to I, I want to be teased with a dish. A great example of Jackson's food is a grilled peach salad that he's had on this summer. A grilled peach salad already intriguing with with like a basil ricotta and Fresno chilies. So it's sweet and spicy at the same time. 
Pete uh, is doing a tagliatelle uh, egg pasta with pistachio pesto. Um, that's amazing. Simple, but still different. You uh, know? We, we have to get some that you don't represent, though. A hundred percent. And there's many pl- p- places that I don't work with that I'm just friends with. So uh, and proudly. So obviously, uh, you know, Oscar Amador and EDO, as we discussed, and, and Anima, uh, they do fantastic things there. Jamie Tran with her famous salmon skin tacos uh, is an amazing dish uh, that was unique that was actually uh, launched at Vegas Unstripped. Uh, Francesco Ducato with Basilico, who is doing innovative takes on, you know, on some of the most basic uh, dishes, but really making them new again. He's doing some really exciting things. The most prominent example on his current menu is uh, Francesco's uh, smoked cigar, which is a duck mousse uh, sort of roll up um, that's been fried. And then he serves it with a sesame truffle ash. It's really fun. Very very modern cuisine, but still delicious. Hmm. I like the idea of risk-taking, though, and I know that's not happening in Strip City, right? So No, but it is happening plenty off-strip, and if anything, we aren't recognizing it enough. And again, that goes back to the insecurity thing. We're not recognizing it enough because we don't trust ourselves to say, wow, this is amazing. How many restaurants, Eric, come to town and you go there and you're like, wow, this is kind of out there and I love it, and then a month later – they have what we call dumbed down the menu to make it very lowest common denominator. Like all the really cool shit that was on that menu are, you know, somehow gone and been replaced with essentially elevated chicken fingers, right? I mean, that has happened. That is a phenomenon. (laughs) That's an extreme version, but sure. uh, That happens very frequently, especially on the strip where you have uh, what John Curtis likes to call the bean counters looking at your quarterly results and they don't have the patience to wait for your audience to understand what you're doing. They don't care. Uh, They just want to see profits. And so this is what's very hard on chefs on the strip in particular. Uh, Off the strip, hopefully independents can balance their desires to do something different with the realities of the marketplace. There's always realities of the marketplace. There's always times where, yeah, this dish just doesn't work or it's just not finding an audience. And that's just reality like any other type of art or culture, you know? Well, Eric Gladstone, I'm going to keep my eyes on those big lists and see if uh, any of your prophecies come true. (laughs) Eric Gladstone, thanks for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. David, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Hey, before you go, make sure to check out Vegas Unstripped. Eric's agency, Feast of Friends, is running this amazing food festival on Saturday, October 14th. The whole CityCast Las Vegas team is going. I'll be there, and you should too. We're giving away two pairs of free tickets also, so head over to lasvegas.citycast.fm slash unstripped to enter by October 9th. We'll see you at Vegas Unstripped. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show and you want to give a little something back, why not go on to the platform where you listen to this podcast and leave a rating and review? It's been a minute since we've read one on the show, so why not write one and maybe we'll share yours? 
We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Till then, stay lucky. Uh, sorry, rephrase, yeah. Your Honor. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Let me uh, reframe the question to the witness. <laughs>